Hello and welcome to I've Never Seen, the podcast where myself, Stephen and my friend Albert talk about seminal or important films either both of us or just one of us had never seen before. This time it's a samurai double bill. That's Le Samurai, the Jean-Pierre Melville film from 1957, key figure of the French New Wave, and Harakiri from Masaki Kobayashi. Let's start with Harakiri. This is one of the most influential samurai movies of all time. More specifically, it is an anti-samurai movie in the same way that Clint Eastwood's Unforgiven became the anti-Western. No films before that obviously deserve that moniker. We'll explain more about the film later in the episode. For now, I want to focus on Kobayashi, the director, who is one of my favourite directors of all time, and, by my money, the greatest Japanese filmmaker. Um, and others would agree with me. I would really recommend watching this film, and if you enjoy it, check out Kwaidan, a collection of period horror stories in Japan, and also, if you've got a spare nine hours, then here's the Human Condition trilogy is one of the greatest works of art ever. I absolutely adore it. Jean-Pierre Melville, on the other hand, is one of my favourite directors of French New Wave, one of my favourite French directors in general. We talk at length about the Samurai in the episode, but just know that it influenced films as far-reaching as Drive and, you know, Taxi Drive, this kind of, like, lone gunman type. The hitman doesn't really speak, wears cool jackets, does cool stuff. We unpick maybe the problematic elements of this trope later in the episode, so, you know, enjoy that. Melville was known for his unbelievably cool crime dramas this icy atmosphere and just precise precise everything if you like the sound of the samurai it's a great movie watch it let's go into more melville well i really recommend army of shadows my favorite films of all time a fantastic film about the subsistence of the resistance in france during the second world war but also his crime films like le circle rouge or le doulot or une flic he makes very cool films so over the episode. Two vaguely samurai-themed films. Um, so we've got Kobayashi's Harikiri, or Seppuku, in Japanese, um, obviously anglicised. And then we've got Jean-Pierre Melville, whom I love, um, his film Le Samurai, which I'd never seen before, and was like the big Melville that I had not seen. Um, and I'd seen, um, for Kobayashi, I'd seen Kwaiden before, uh, but this is my second Kobayashi and I am eager to see more so um, should we give a little bit of an overview yeah uh, which one do I take let's start with the with the Melville um, yeah okay I feel I feel un, I think almost unreasonably strong about this mm. film I really didn't like it okay I think it's great but I don't love it so the sort of overview of the plot is there is a very kind of laconic male protagonist who yep. is an assassin i think yep. um contract carries killer. out yeah contract killer who carries out his killing and then there's a sort of long-winded long-winded investigation yeah um, he has some encounters with some people and then it's implied that he commits suicide rather than killing his potential love interest maybe I think, he gets, he yeah. gets gunned. He gets gunned down, but maybe. But he, yeah, he enters that knowing he's going to get gunned down. Yeah, pretty um, much. Yeah, um, which is kind of cool. It's you know, it's it's one of the progenitors of a whole type of movie. So of, much. I didn't realize how influential it, it was, but mm. in fact, I've seen this film so many times in different yes. ways. And yes. Just like a really prominent one in the last 
yeah totally um yeah it has influenced a whole bunch of cinema that i don't like and a whole bunch of cinema that i do like um it's influenced mm-hmm. a whole bunch of like lonely male gun porn movies exactly. which is definitely a genre exactly. which i don't like yeah. and i thought this film was gonna be that a bit more and thankfully it isn't because like the tagline one of the taglines is his only friend is his gun and i was like oh god yeah. um, but it doesn't do that that's such a misleading tagline he is not a gun fetishist at all um but yeah it's it's a it's a very french film it like is it what does that mean um it's ex- i don't know if you think of us maybe it's because i've seen a lot of french films but when i think yeah. of a 60s french movie i think of this kind of thing the, this kind of like lighting these kind of like camera movements this kind of pace this kind of atmosphere it's very cool it's very reserved it's very stylish it takes its time not much is said not much really happens yeah and I, I agree with you. I think it really embodies like a French aesthetic, and it's absolutely mm. beautiful. Oh, it's, but just, it's but it looks just, timeless. So what you just said there—the sort of incredibly cool, reserved aesthetic—is yeah. that the film or is that yeah. the protagonist? Oh, that, so that, hang that's... on a second. Hang on. A yeah, second. I agree. Because actually, when you look at some of the other characters, I think they've got a bit more depth going on and certainly mm-hmm. the inspector i feel like it you know doesn't stop talking and i think there's a whole kind of rich world going on there but i don't want to confuse the two because i think the problem with this film that i really seriously have is that it propagates this lone wolf stoic self-sufficient emotionally distanced male archetype yep. which i think has has worsened cinema i'm sorry but it just really has i, I really don't like it i also couldn't help compare it to another fedora donning assassin uh, film which i'd seen very recently which is the conformist which you need to see yeah i haven't seen that that film follows like the plot of it is kind of similar and like they look very similar as well so you can't help but sort of uh, Mm. compare them but basically in that film um whilst there is quite a lot of violence there's also so much more emotional interior psychological depth it's a really really effective character study and even later films which were influenced by the samurai like taxi driver yes again, you get the you get the inward interior view rather mm. than just okay these are the events happening and you kind of feel very distant from it yeah i was i was surprised by that um i know we, we, we'll get to harry here in a bit but yeah i was expecting it to be more of a, a character study and more about someone that lives a very ritualistic lifestyle mm. and was very details focused and it's very much just like blank slate person does some stuff um but i guess i'm just a sucker for very very cool french movies it is and, cool it is a very cool film i i will give you that and i like the way it moves there's a weird t- some of the scenes if you describe them don't sound tense at all mm. but are just enthrallingly tense like him going through his apartment and looking for a bug is just really really tense and you know exactly where the bug is you know when he's going to find it but just the language of the film is so consistent all the way through in its slowness and its stillness um it's interesting though because i sent you a message part way through of my issue with the film if i have an issue which i guess i do um is that i think the language and the lens of the film is too aligned with the main character i very much agree um, in that we get his subjective view of the world and rather than giving us his interior life from a distance and letting us work it out it is the world through his eyes but from a third person perspective and the film is as cool and distanced and as alien to other people as he is as a character yeah i, ju- I just feel like i don't really know much about the people in the film like no. i sort of just see events happening but 
I don't really care that much. It sounds yeah, it's dreadful, but like yeah, it's, it's just how I felt. Um, yeah, no, I I understand that. I, I it gets by a lot on style for me, and there yeah. are little touches. And like, if I'm gonna be like really kind of like pretentious about it, just like the composition, the mise en scène, of the little details of filmmaking are just brilliant. There's so much little stuff, and it's just it's a a style of film that I adore. Yeah, um, the, the sound is incredible as well. Mm. Like the soundtrack and the use of that bird, the chirping. Oh, very, God, that's very unsettling, but like very cool. And on the other side, um, we have Kobayashi's Harry Kitty, which I've been wanting to watch for a long time. Um, I'm a huge fan. This is this is my week basically because what do I love? Samurai movies mm. and cool French crime movies. <laughs> um, so the, these were supposed to be like the apexes for some of the respective genres. Um, so Harry Kitty is an immaculately plotted film. Um, it's, it's so hard to explain why it's good about just explain the whole plot because I love the plot of this film um, basically a person turns up to um, a noble house noble household a shogunate um, and says he wants to commit harikiri there ritual suicide by disemboweling himself and being decapitated and then you find out through stories within stories and flashbacks that there has been a trend of people turning up saying they're going to kill themselves and then being paid off basically so they don't and there's this whole sense of the falsity of honor and like a look into samurai culture and then it becomes yeah. something kind of different of a look into why people would do that in the first place um and the it, it is a really good deconstruction of i guess like a caste system the bushido code is what i read Right. Yeah, but it's not just that though, because I've been reading a Lawrence movie. Because I, I don't know about you, I loved this film no, so was, much. It was incredible. It was genuinely like it, I was bored. It's just uh, yeah. so precise. It's, like, it's I think it's perfect. This is an astonishing film. So intentional. I just, I can't mm. believe that someone you know in the sixties as well. Mm. Like how did yeah. I guess it's just. I'm kind of... so glad. I didn't know. I haven't talked about this film at all. I just. I thought it was absolutely astonishing. Um, but I was reading so much about it in my copy. I've got the Masters of Cinema version, which I really recommend. I'm not really good on if it's a good transfer. I don't know that stuff. But the supplementary information is great. There's this interview of Kobayashi, um, and there's an essay, and the essay talks about its reception at the time. Um, and the reception's fascinating. Just before because, you go into that, because I think we're just dropping yeah. the, the gun slightly, just give a bit of context on this film. Okay. And maybe about Japanese society as well, and how this film is yeah. a little bit <sighs> confrontational about... Well, it definitely oh. is. All right, uh, so I love samurai movies. Um, when I think of samurai movies, I think of Akira Kurosawa. Um, yeah. I think of Seven Samurai, Yojimbo Sanjiro. So Yojimbo and Sanjiro, I think, had just come out before this film and were seen as its contemporaries. Right. Um, and it was oh. a rival too. And what those are, those are films, films that I like. Um, so Yojimbo and Sanjiro are your... Yojimbo is the most famous. Um, have you seen A Fistful of Dollars? No. Okay, as many people have. A Fistful of Dollars is an unofficial remake of Yojimbo. <laughs> it is this, like, Ronin turns up in a town and it, it's the same plot. It even has list, lifted lines from it. It's uncredited. There's a great quote from Kurosawa when he asked about what he thought about Fistful of Dollars. He said, it's a great movie, but it's my movie. <laughs> um, <laughs> Because like there is there's there's, that, there's a great bit in Yojimbo where the guy's just like talking about how you're going to have coffins made and he's like he requests three coffins kills one he's like oh make that four and that exact line is in Fistful of Dollars right. it is like beat for beat recreation um, but 
the traditional samurai movie is very much like a lionization, like an ode to the past of these simple warriors who would go from town to town, ronin usually, and they would protect people and they would get the job done because they are elite. Yeah, but there's also so much more. There's lots of uh, influences from Confucianism, which is a mm. very regimented, conservative yes. set of moral, moral codes. And what happened when this code was introduced, Japan was in a sort of age of upheaval and turmoil with the emperor and the shogunate. And there's a whole thing around that period. Basically, the, the point is the, the Bushido code is a sort of reaction to that upheaval. In, it's a way to regiment society so that, you know, it's a kind of panacea for that. Yeah. And this film takes place at a different turning point. I think it's a thing called the Great Peace, where um, to regain control to the emperor, there were lots of ri- rival shogunate clans, basically. I'm not probably using the right terminology, but I'll get the the large beats right. And it was like a nightmare of just like factionalism. Yeah, The, the entire boring, nation. Endless yeah. war. Yeah. And the way that they broke that is the dominating um, shogunate aligned themselves with the emperor and basically dissipated and crushed all the other shogunates um, and like deposed lots of lords um, executed lots of lords and just took apart lots of houses which meant there was less factions so less factionalism at a very bloody cost but yeah. what this meant is there were thousands of ronin and a ronin is a samurai without a master your job had be to just specifically serve someone and then it's just gone well it's not a job it's more of a true of a whole what's the right even word i wouldn't even say way of life it's just you are yeah you the code of the samurai samurai. you are the code there's nothing Mm. else in your life like i kind of like that they went into (laughs) how difficult it was for the for the protagonist to get employment after i read about that it's illegal it's illegal it's not only impossible you are if you are of the samurai cast you are not allowed to do another job so you are a samurai exactly so being a samurai was not only institutionalized but it was Mm. also very spiritual it's a very kind of and there are these myths propagated through cinema and that were very culturally popular at the time of the noble samurai and the nobleness of ritualized suicide and this movie is just like "Mm, no you yeah it's so interesting because i think the first half so the the way that this cinematography is done is so Mm. clever Mm. because in the first half you have no kind of irregular shots or yeah. you know until you get to that dutch angle with the um uh, with the bamboo suicide which is just like it's it's such a slap in the face and again you can see the language point. of westerns you can yeah. see sergio leone's like use of ultra close-ups yeah you can see the use of these twisted things the zoom in the zoom oh. in is like so yeah but here it's it's done so tastefully, like because I've seen that shot so many times now. It's obviously it's like part of the language of cinema, but mm. like here, you when you see the original, you're like, wow, that was used to such great effect. So to jump back to its context, why this film is brilliant for me is because it exists in two different contexts. Um, it was released at a very particular time, and it is such a brilliant allegory for commenting on the deified samurai and very much exposing that this system is a mess and is full of issues and needs to be shown as the way it is. But it also, when the film was released, it was not very acclaimed in Japan because it was read as being a criticism of contemporary society. Well, I think Um, it's a very thinly veiled allegory mm, for World War II. I'm not not going to... No, but it's even more than that. It's um, after World War II... 
Kobayashi and others thought that Japan had devolved into a bunch of like corporate interests running the country. Right. And the film is nakedly about that of like these ritualized clans or groups uh-huh. that have too much power and are running it. And people, reviewers, didn't like the film at the time because they thought it was coming at them. And it was. Okay. Well, yeah, yeah, sure. It's Which very is great. confrontational, this mm. film. Um, it good. Yeah. So the other thing that I think is very cool and, and very interesting is, yes, it reflects uh, how how regimented Japanese society is. Yes. And you have the very striking contrast of the cinematography when it's not it, when it doesn't reflect that and it just sort of comes at you. But you also have the closer look at people's lives for whom the Bushido code isn't working. So you have the whole sequence yeah. of the domestic life. Um, <sighs> of the protagonist and his son and his wife and also the hypocrisy and the strong emphasis mm. on saving face so yes there yes. is a whole reflection about like it's such a multi-layered film and also the mm. way that the plot interweaves oh it's like, stories have... within stories it's exactly. amazing and, it, way... and and the film itself is theatrical so like overtly so like it, it definitely nods to kabuki theater and right. even the dialogue is very stylized mm-hmm. it feels like a morality play but it's a really exceptionally well done morality play yeah. with some like social realist stuff it is just it is just filmmaking it's just amazing yeah i mean the other thing that i couldn't escape from when mm-hmm. watching these films was just how male <laughs> uh, yes there's there's a lot of there's, there's a lot of men mm. on screen in both of these yeah. films. Um, how do you think these films relate to male archetypes and like how it's influenced those in cinema? I agree with you on Le Samurai. I think, yeah, Le Samurai has had a very positive and negative influence on cinema. Um, Harry Kiri, I don't know. I feel... Mm, there's a really... <sighs> Harry Kiri, again, is, is going after a kind of stoic masculinity. Yeah. Um, Maybe it does, it could does be... sort of paint the protagonist in a positive light, and there is that there is a similarity between the two characters in Let's Hammer yeah. and Harakiri, in that it's kind of honourable to to even know what the right sort of thing is, but maybe to stand up to forces which are greater than yourself or like well yeah because kobayashi in the interview talks about that he says that it's been viewed a lot as being a very pessimistic film Mm -hmm. and he says that he understands that but he strives for the optimism of but this person did try and stand up and he perceives an injustice to up for it but also this person is somewhat the architect of his own demise to a small extent Mm. um because of his pride beforehand but there's a really good bit there's actually more pronounced in the remake and i'll talk about that in a bit because i watched the remake of the main figure never sells his swords and doesn't even think about selling his swords but his son does um and when he realizes that his son did that there's that realization of being like oh there was things i could have done to help but never would have considered because of social conditioning because of what i've been told that i am yeah yeah i mean there's there's a great irony in that he refused to sell Mm. his sword for like for his entire life and then his son gets killed by his fake sword. <sighs> Which is the most brutal thing. Yeah. Um, there are a few things when I talk about of the craft again, of what this film shows you as well as what it doesn't show you. Again, me as a samurai fan, what I'm used to in samurai movies is these elegant, like dance, like jewels. Yeah. And this film is so good at just consistently not showing you that. Yeah. When it could do it, it cuts to a few flashbacks of these fights a couple just doesn't really show you 
one of them is just pretty nasty and the last fight this extended battle is just so it's beautiful but it's so haphazard and like there's a bit where he's using his sword as like a crutch and you see that zoom and he's putting himself up on it looks horrible i think what it's trying to say is like when it comes down to it to it violence is pretty ugly yeah you know there's no there's no honor in like killing people basically Mm. You, you can't just have this balletic dance all the time yeah and i really like the way that the blocking is done in the in the sort of crescendo of the film towards the end because mm. you, I, you think you're going to be getting exactly what <gasps> you just said but in mm-hmm. fact it's the ugliest thing you know possible there's blood going everywhere and it's kind of it's very i don't know the way that the main character handles himself isn't particularly graceful i'd say no it's not at all it, it, it and there are a few things i've read around this that are fascinating before that there's like one cool choice where when the fight starts the camera just pans away from it in this like continual shot to just go to the inside if it's just like you're not going to watch this you're not going to get this big fight yeah and then it will pan back for bits of it so you just you yeah. d- basically for you the get- narrative this guy has to take on like 12 dudes yeah. and he does it but it's not going to show you him doing that no, there's so many anticlimaxes. Actually, I can I can think of because all of the top knot mm. uh, sequences, and then you have you have the actual Harakiri itself, mm-hmm. the first one. Yeah, it's so yeah, damn, it's so well done. One decision um, Kobayashi made was to use real swords. Really? Yes, and the reason was because they are heavy. And it meant that you couldn't be graceful and balletic. And he talked about that specifically. He did not want waving, uh. dancing, fighting. He wanted them to seem heavy in their hands and for it to seem deliberate and for it to seem brutal. So they are holding real swords. That's that's amazing. Mm. I didn't even, wow. Yeah, but it works really well. Because even in like the first fight you see, there's a bit where he holds up his sword in the air in like a, like a power pose. And it, you can see the strain as he's holding it up there. Mm. It looks like... Like he's waiting to slice it down, but you can you can feel the pain as he's doing it. Do you feel like this film has influenced the pop culture idea of these kind of drawn out samurai or you know Asiatic inspired fight scenes? No, I feel that Kurosawa movies have. Really? Okay, interesting. Yeah. So this this film is kind of a twist on that. Yeah, I think yeah, yeah. so. Right. Um, yeah. And actually, there's there's also like. The bookends of this scene, of this film, sorry, are this this amazing piece of... I mean, you don't see that it's red because it's a black and white movie, but this red suit of armour that is such this great symbol in the film. It's the symbol of the face of the house that they're going to, the facade of honour that you see at the beginning, this majestic piece of samurai armour that's just sat in the house. And then it, the film almost ends with him tearing it down which is such a brilliant moment of him just like revealing the sham that this is because there are a few shams that are revealed but then the actual ending of the film they just build it back up again in the in the yeah so that's yeah. really yeah and they pave over the blood like there's the, the those stone gardens from japan that are so immaculately placed and absolutely beautiful get covered with blood everything is messed up and the ending of the film is just covering everything up and pretending that it's all normal this idea of like these people yeah. and these facades will just keep going because there is no honor here and there. Any honor you see is a facade, and it's so good at showing that. Yeah, there's the famous line, which is the samurai honor is a facade, mm. literally in the film. Oh, good. And the, the damage control scene at the end felt so contemporary of like that, just and not in like a megalom- 
the guy at the... No, PR not... before there was PR, you know? It's kind of like, we can't we can't be seen to have been challenged by this nobody. Yeah. So... When he just says, oh, that didn't happen, this is what happened. Exactly. It's like, oh, these people killed themselves. Well, they didn't actually. They died of disease. That person did that. And you're like, oh, wow. And the narrative is set. It feels alarmingly prescient. Mm. So... There is one scene, obviously, um, that caused great controversy. Which scene was that? I mean, what scene do you think? Um, there is a very violent scene in this movie. I... Are you talking about the first... The first yeah. Uh, okay, so that, yeah. that's really interesting. Why yeah, was I mean... Contra- yeah, why was that... Uh, was... So one of the interview questions in my little essay thing I've got is mm-hmm. that... Um, it was a strong piece of violence, and is it is it over the top? Does it need to be that way? Because it's it, it is nasty. It's yeah. very painful to watch. Mm. Um, what did you think about it? Yeah, I even by contemporary standards, I found it very hard to watch. Yeah, um, yeah, I'm not ashamed. That I had to like pause for a second. I was like, oh my days, this is a lot. Um, so yeah, definitely. Do you mean that as positive or negative? No, I think it needed to be in the film. It I agree, hundred percent needed to be in the film, and it. It's just so striking. Like it's just the tragic structure of just so much of this film of the you know it's going to happen of the revealing that he's got a bamboo blade. Yeah. And when you find out they're just going to force him to kill himself with it and you don't even know the full background yet and you're like oh my god what? And then they ha- but they have to show how difficult this is. And it's horrible. It's unbelievably horrible. Um I couldn't believe that he was going there and the, like the yeah. length of the sequence is what you think okay it's gonna cut now no it just yeah. keeps going. he you literally see a man trying to kill himself with a, with a oh. wooden like thing which is bl- basically blunt under the guise that because he's a coward that they all think he's a coward for doing this and it shows the most just like tenacious just like horrible thing to have to do that just like it takes so much of a but it's unbelievable what he's doing and the language to everyone around him is huh look at this coward yeah. So the remake. Mm, um, if you, oh my god, it's just so. This is the weird connection to a few episodes ago. Um, so obviously the Melville film links to um, Varda because they are contemporaries. But do you know who directed the remake of this movie? You told me it was Mike, right? Yeah, Takashi Mike, and I'm like, um, mm, I don't want to see Takashi Mike's Harry Kiri. Um, well, judging by the film that we watched <laughs> earlier or later in the series, yeah. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm, I have to say that it's probably not something I'd enjoy. It's because well, I've seen a lot of. I mean, Takashi Miike makes samurai movies, but they're very different samurai movies. I've seen them. I like them. Blade of the Immortal rules. Um, he makes really good pulpy, violent samurai movies. It, the best comparison for this. So you know that Tarantino makes trashy westerns now. Yeah. So imagine if rather than making Django Unchained, he just was like, "I'm remaking Once Upon a Time in the West." Yeah. And how wild that would be. I mean, isn't that what he's already sort of? I suppose. Uh, yeah. But what if he was? What if he was literally it's doing an, it? An actual like, yeah, yeah. Because it's like, yeah, yeah. yes, you make Western films, but you're not making this thing. So yeah, yeah. In, in on a surface level, Takashi Miike, like the most prevalent Japanese filmmaker at the moment, mm-hmm. remaking one of the most important Japanese films in a genre he's made films in. You go, that makes sense when you look at his output versus this so did you think that scene needed to be more violent probably not mm, it does not oh my god the the <laughs> the version in the Takashi Miike movie involves him trying to stab himself failing and he has to snap the dagger to splinter it oh my god okay yeah I'm, I'm sh- not surprised 
given yeah. the earlier film, but still. I love Mike, as you know. He has no business making. It, weirdly, it's like the most conventional Mike movie you've seen. Like it has everything I was watching in it made me love Harry Curry so much more. Because as I was saying earlier, it made me realise there were things that didn't seem like choices that were choices. Like oh, the ordering of events has changed here, and now this doesn't work as well because of that. Oh, this person found this out there. Oh, the camera's not still at this point, and like the soundtrack is completely different. When you have such a precisely contrived film, I yeah, what can you like? Why would you change it? You know, as soon yeah. as you unpick a little bit of that, it doesn't work. Mm. So it, totally, and it's fascinating. So I recommend people watch it just because it will make you realize how perfect the original is. Mm. But the soundtrack in Harry Kiri is yeah. this B word all the way through, which I'm probably mispronouncing. Um, not all the way through because it's not all the time. Is that a but it's amazing. Japanese instrument, right? Yes. It's a yeah, and strange guitar type loot. thing. Lute, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Um, it's in, it's incredible. Works so well. It's used very sparingly, but mm. just at the right moments. And don't you see the DNA of Westerns in there as well? Of Definitely. the Ennio so right. Morricone yeah. score of like, it's going to hit every now and then. Yeah. And it's going to be that motif and it's going to be a bit off. Yes. It's, oh, it's great. Um, his, the movie that I've seen, Quiden, has a, it's a, it's a bunch of short horror stories. And one of them is about a Biwa player. Um, so it's really nice seeing like that lineage there mm-hmm. of like this fascination of, it's such a cool sounding instrument. If you've not yeah. heard what one sounds like, listen to one. Um, Harry Kiri, Death of the Samurai, the Takashi Miike movie, has a very conventional symphonic score. Ah, oh, that's boring. And it's kind of lame. The ending is just different. You don't have that really cool thing at the end when it's just like damage control. You just yeah. don't. Really? Um, yeah. You? I mean, that's such an integral part of it. I know. The film just kind of ends. Um, and it's it's really weird because, like, Harry Kiri is a long movie. Yeah. Because it's slow and deliberate. Well, it Harry feels Kiri... slow. No, I, th- I, th- I don't know. Like, it feels really drawn out but like in a in a good way yeah in a good way exactly Harry Curry Death of a Samurai is 10 minutes shorter feels so much longer because they flesh out everything so rather than using lingering shots they give you a bit of backstory to things all the time that you just do not need like the way they introduce information is different they have someone go to the person and tell him oh have you heard about this samurai um, like fake samurai thing as opposed to it coming up in conversations like that didn't need to happen you have him go to a shop and be asked would you like to sell your blades as opposed to finding it out as a reveal later they feel the need to put in these little narrative breadcrumbs all the time you're like this doesn't need to be here yeah like I said the way that the plot unfolds told through the kind of um, back and forth of the, of mm. the storytelling between the different mm. characters that's so perfectly you know, sewn together. I don't know why you'd want to riff on that anymore. That I know. It's already there. So Which again reminds me of Quiden. Again, he seems to like films about storytelling. Of the, the, And this film does not present itself as realist at all. It is very much clearly the leg- like the oral tradition of, I'm going to tell you a story and I'm going to tell you a story. Yeah. And you don't get the sense you're seeing the truth. You get the sense you are seeing legacy and myth and how ideas can be controlled through the telling of a story, which is what the whole film is about, which is yeah, why it's so exactly. cool. Yeah. it's an astonishing piece of cinema I think it's maybe my favourite film that we've watched so far wow okay that's a that's a big claim mm. I'm not surprised right so you're not going to go with audition I thought that was going to be your yeah I, I, yeah, I, I mean I, I love audition um, <laughs> but yeah this is 
it's just it's the genre i love given a treatment that i love of like i have like a guilty pleasure i mean all right the kurosawa samurai movies are awesome and they're not completely glorified nonsense there's some grit to them but this is just different kettle of fish and he talks about how he felt very intimidated by making this movie because of kurosawa um he also didn't want to make movies for a while because he said he watched drunken angel the kurosawa movie which i've seen it's great um and he watched that and he was like I'll never make a movie this good. And someone had to tell him, there are problems in this film, as with every film, make a movie. Wow. Okay, interesting. Another fascinating thing in the interview, which I, um, I read to my partner, is when he's asked about it, about why it's so good, basically, not framed that way, he says, because of collaboration, which is such a Japanese style of filmmaking that we don't get um, from, especially American cinema, if he goes, it's because I had an amazing writer, and goes through all the roles, and goes, because everyone was good, the film is good. Yeah, There is no sense of, I was the director and I made a great movie. It's like, no, we had the best people, and it was a collaboration. Yeah, I mean, you probably won't get a lot of self-effacing instincts no. in Hollywood, so... <laughs> well... To give mean, it a pop- probably comes out of like Japanese kind of culture as well, I suppose. The whole yeah, I had this conversation with with Emma, my partner, um, and because I said like, can you imagine a, an American or a British or just like I mean, just Western director saying that, um, and kind of no, really. And no. her point, and I kind of agree, is the closest we have to that maybe is like a Mike Lee figure of pure collaboration. Mm. But then there's also this mystique around Mike Lee. That's true. No, but I think people, other people, mm. try to create him into this kind of great mm. figure which individual who, who yes. is behind all of this right Whereas, because he doesn't talk about his method though because he keeps it a secret yeah. it does evoke a cult of personality yeah, exactly yeah. yeah um my weird trashy kind of like comparison is i mean i don't think you will have seen these but if you've seen the two most recent godzilla movies I the most not. recent japanese <laughs> one and the most recent american one the most recent Japanese one is Shin Godzilla, which is great. And the culmination of that movie is just a bunch of government workers who are very good at their job, who come together and they work out a train timetable that's so good it can kill Godzilla. I'm, I'm kind of taking the piss, okay. but that's pretty much... It's about working together and good bureaucrats doing their job really, really well. The most recent American Godzilla, which sucks, is about this like mansplaining sexist who saves the world. <laughs> okay. And in that, you just like you do see two different approaches to problem solving. Yeah, that I think is ref- and it's reductive, but I think is reflected in the culture and like the art of these of these countries. Yeah, so much. Do you think that how much of the sort of Japanese cinema aesthetic do you think Le Samurai borrowed? Not enough. Not enough. So, but what I was trying to understand as well is how does the film's title actually relate to the? Yeah. I was kind of bummed out by that. Um, I wanted, it, I generally wanted it to be more samurai. Where, where is his sort of code of honor or whatever? Or is that? Um, I don't know if it's implied. I think that's the thing. But, it's very like, oh, you fill in the gaps of this. Like, why is this man not talking? Because he's a samurai. Yeah, I just feel like the, the title just kind of slapped on because samurai. Yeah, is I agree. Kind of like a cool thing. And so Maybe I'm like dumb this. and I'm missing stuff, but it is a bit like. He doesn't talk much, and he just gets the job done. He's a samurai. Mm. Yeah. He looks cool, though. I love his aesthetic. Yeah, no. Very. I think also the look is quite influential as well. There's a lot of mm. similar kind of characters in film. Um, I watched. So I watched. So I watched Harry Carey Death of Samurai after Harry Kiri. 
Mm-hmm. Um, I watched a movie after the Samurai. Um, have you seen Ghost Dog: The Way of the Samurai? I haven't. Um, it's it's awesome. It's awesome. It's a Jim Jarmusch movie. I love Jim Jarmusch. Hadn't mm-hmm. seen this one. Um, and it is like it is a postmodern riff on the Samurai. But on so many other things as well. It's got Forrest Whitaker as this contract killer who lives by the samurai code, but generally does live by it. Of he's reading the Book of Bushido all the time. He calls this guy that saved his life his retainer. He sends pigeons with messages. Um, at one point, he borrows the book Rashomon from someone and talks about how much he enjoys it. Like it's, it is, it knows what it's doing. Yeah, and. It's such a great counterpoint to Le Samurai because it, it lifts plot points. It's so obviously inspired by this film. Yeah. And even the, the title is a nod to it. Um, but it, it's like a remix because like it's got a soundtrack by the RZA. Yeah. Okay. Of the Wu-Tang Clan. Yeah. And it's just, it's this meld of all these like different cultures shoved together, which I found so fascinating because it's an ode to like the impact of samurai movies. The samurai movies led to martial arts movies and led to Western movies. And in this film, you've got all of those things. There's like, there's this bit at the end, spoilers, this movie where there's this like, like random showdown that happens just because they can hear the bell ringing and they're like, Oh guess this is the showdown then. And it keeps doing like stuff like that the whole way through. But what's cool about Ghost Dog is it has so much personality and so much flair and it's such a fun film while not sacrificing a bit of substance. Yeah. And I wanted a bit of flair and a cool that wasn't literally cool as in cold yeah, exactly. from the samurai. Yeah, agreed. I'm not saying Ghost Dog with the Samurai is a better movie because it's got issues and the filmmaking is very... It came out in 1999 yeah. and it looks like it. <laughs> it... it there are some choices i'm like mm, this time lapse stuff looks kind of bad and there's a few lines that i'm like mm, the punchline here is this man said a racist thing yeah. and i don't that's not great um <laughs> but it's 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 a it's a great movie worth watching is it, is, cri- a, is it critical of the samurai or is it more of a sort of i don't know just taking inspiration i think it takes inspiration from um it, it's critical in a way because it definitely shows a much lonelier figure and it's a more tragic story yeah. Um and it definitely represents this guy as being like, Why are you doing this stuff? Mm-hmm. Um but I think what's really cool about it is how it so much of its text is about cultural conversation, about like this how from this movie we've got this whole mixing pot of insects and cultures, we've got this like RZA soundtrack, we've got all these mafia bosses. Every time anyone's watching a TV, they're watching a black and white violent cartoon. Yeah. Um and it's just and there's this amazing dynamic where his best friend is a guy that speaks French and only French and they're just best buds and they can't understand each other. And that it kind of speaks metaphorically to how these, these films and these genres have leapt out of themselves because I mean, martial arts cinema became hugely popular in, um, when was the heyday of martial arts cinema? Is it, are we talking seventies, like Bruce Lee kind of? Yeah, we're talking seventies and eighties. Um, and it was huge. And the reason the Wu-Tang Clan exists is because especially like around New York, I guess, uh, I don't know enough about this to speak as authoritative as I am, but black culture was hugely influenced for a time. Rap culture, um, was hugely influenced by martial arts movies because that was the only mainstream films where they could see someone that was not just white that yeah. was heroic. Right, right, yeah. 
and sure. that in, informed a cultural understanding mm-hmm. and Ghost Dog Where the Samurai gets that really nicely I mean yeah it's a white director um, but it is definitely a film about hip hop cool samurai doing cool stuff mm-hmm. and La Samurai um, hmm. yeah it definitely gets an um from me I, I do think it's great I really admire it I think it's easy to like and admire but it's quite hard to love so are we going to attempt some ratings yeah this is going to be I don't know if it's going to be reflective of the conversation be interesting um, so let's start with La Samurai let's I just start with Harry Kiri um, Harry Kiri I think there's more consensus in this one I, I yeah. I'm not I'm not going to give it five just because it's not exactly my type of film although it is fair enough amazing mm. um, probably like a four for me like okay. so well made just yeah. so well made yeah and also like the themes that it goes into um, I mm. think um, just yeah incredible yeah they made this movie for me it's a five star movie it's just like yeah. it's, it's, it's not surprised it's, yeah, yeah love it so much I was just like I was like I'll be so mad if Albert doesn't love this movie because it's just so good I don't no, want to have a conversation really, really um, yeah. yeah I've been wanting to watch it for ages and I bought this and Battlefield Earth on the same day and watched Battlefield Earth straight away and I've been putting this off so because I'm a trash human part of a trilogy right the human condition trilogy no that's a separate work that's something else okay yeah he made the human condition trilogy and then he was he decided to make a sound movie um yeah so the script for this was supposed to be for a tv movie oh right um because basically and someone that worked with kurosawa previously had done a samurai script and kurosawa didn't have time for it Mm -hmm. um and they're like maybe tv and tv were like this is too long for tv um, and Kobayashi was like I'll take it it's great and most people thought the script was bad mm-hmm. um, and didn't like it he was like no it's great I'm working with it made it so that's kind of interesting yeah I, yeah, that's that's crazy I don't mm. know if it would have been the same really probably not no? to be made for TV I think the outsider lens of someone who is not native to the genre I think works really well because it, it, it lends to deconstruction rather than just like imitation and pastiche mm. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Where I think with La Samurai, it's Melville doing another crime movie. He's good at making crime movies. Yeah, I'm not. I'm just not the biggest fan of crime films. I think I don't know. I think if it's an exploration for some like a, like a deep character study, and the crime is just a, yeah. a vehicle or whatever. But like here, I don't know what it's trying to. I don't know what I'm supposed to come away with. Do you know what I mean? I think it's the kind of film where you'd hear a lot of people saying it's very existential because, like, it's very quiet. But but I agree with you. But I agree with you. But I can imagine a lot of people being like, oh, it's very, like, in in the silences is when the film speaks. I'm like, eh, just not really much happens. Okay, yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Um, Yeah, so, yeah, what are you going to give Le Samurai? Um, I'm giving it four because I I, I think it's just, it's it's a cool version of a film I really like. You're giving this more... Than eyes wide shut. Oh yeah, it's a better, oh yeah, it's a better movie than that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, what is it? Yeah. AI. Um, yeah, I just for me, I think just the way that it handles the male kind of mm. um, role, I just really didn't like that at all. And I think it's yeah, just so many films have been. I like his performance though. Yeah, he's cool as hell. Watching, <laughs> maybe maybe I'm watch, the problem. Watching this film actually made me re-examine because I when Drive came out however yeah. long ago that was I loved it I was like oh yeah this is like me know, too so whatever um, watching this film has made me realise I really don't like that film at all 
I used to be I like a session for watch drive. I don't know what that says, but I just, yeah. Maybe I just want a deeper sort of um, exploration of some yeah, I, what's I think going so. on inside these people's heads. You know, what are they thinking? Why are they acting the way that they're acting? And I just didn't get much of that from this film. Um, so I'm probably going to give it like, I don't know, like a two. Sorry, that's, <laughs> that's really, really, I'm sure that's incredibly um, offensive to <laughs> No, no, I, I don't care. I mean, I, I, I fully understand criticisms. I do not love the movie. I just really admire it. And I don't know, I, I like the way Melville makes makes films. This is not even my second favourite Melville film, definitely. Um, What's like, My first is Army of Shadows by, by a mile. I think Army of Shadows is just incredible. And it's also telling that that isn't him making a crime movie. Yeah. Um, but um, Le Circle Rouge, um, The Red Circle is a really good like heists gone wrong kind of movie mm-hmm. which is what he mainly made i like heist films what can i say you're a fan of the oceans films mm, yeah wait really yeah who, 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 what was those steven for? soderbergh i can't be- i actually can't believe that really mm-hmm. i mean well he didn't make the original because that's from like rat pack movie from the 50s um ah. but yeah oceans 11 the one that came out in 2000? Yeah. Um, around then. Um, yeah, Steven Soderbergh. Cool. Who, as I've said several times, Steven Soderbergh, the best. Love yeah. him. We should do a Steven Soderbergh film at some point. Maybe we should do a double. Mm. Double Soderbergh. Mm. Have you seen Sex, Lies, and Videotape? I have not. Oh, that's so Maybe good. Maybe that could be... Yeah. I'll pencil that in. Okay. 